0: Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is Sam Wiegert, and we talk about co-living. talk about a lot of stuff, but we talk about co-living. What is co-living? It's instead of a rental house it's uh it's a it's the same rental house but you've got you're renting the rooms out separately to to different people so you could think like three leases on a house instead of just one lease on a house um and the, and there's you know benefits for the renter there is it's it's cheaper bottom line like we have an affordability crisis happening in america this is also not a brand new idea you know they're doing it in the rest they do that in the rest of the world or those of us that have had roommates or grew up with big families like I have had both um have had, you know experienced some some level of co-living but um you know kind of on the investment side or for the owner you're taking a gross rent from you know fifteen hundred dollars a month on a house to maybe five thousand dollars on the same asset and the you know the lenders seem to be okay with this or at least that's been Sam's experience so really cool to have Sam on to talk about this and just look at real estate in, in a little bit different. Way. And he's kind of all in on this thing. I mean, they got like 50 houses, um, built a management company around it. Obviously, there are nuances and challenges that you wouldn't see with other types of real estate. But, you know, what I got from the interview is that uh, affordability issue is not going away. Um, might, e- you know, could even get worse. And so the demand for this stuff is, is kind of going to continue to be there. And then, you know, what I always think about is kind of the debt aspect. If you're putting debt on real estate, that really drives the deal a lot of the time. So if you've got a lender that's okay with a 30-year fixed mortgage on a on a house and you can 3X your gross revenue, uh, that's gonna be a model that is gonna work out real well. So I was real excited to dive in with Sam. He's also just an awesome dude, high-energy guy, you know, black belt martial arts, owned a bunch of karate schools, got out of that business, and and now is kind of all in on co-living. So really Nice guy. I've known Sam for many years um, and it was a great interview, great interview. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, a five-star review helps with our reach. We'll have a quick word from the sponsor sponsors of the show and then uh, into the interview with Sam. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily, land, and industrial deals throughout Texas. dje has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find finance and operate large multifamily properties for profit you can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes damn my man good to see you welcome thanks for coming on what's uh what's new man what's going on yeah dude thanks
0: for thanks for having me on i'm excited for this this is cool yeah, we don't get a chance to talk uh, nearly as much as we probably should or could, but I am uh, bombarded by your Facebook photos of you and your newest flying toy. Usually, <laughs> yeah, right, a lot of flying um, toys. Yep, <laughs> that's great, dude. But no, life is life is good. Life is good. We're in chats and awesome. co living stuff.
1: Yeah, let's talk co living, man, for sure. Um, which I'm I'm excited to learn about. I mean, you know, we do a lot of real estate deals, but not co living. And so when when we were kind of exchanging emails about it, I was like, yeah, this is. Uh, this is something I want to learn about something that the audience probably wants to learn about. So excited to dive in there, but before we kind of jump into all that stuff, man, yeah. I know your story, but how about, how about some background for people that, uh, you know, that haven't met you before?
0: Dude, Yeah. hundred percent. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur from a young age, Yeah. um, but not because it ran in the family. My dad has a doctorate, uh, two master's degrees and his bachelor's degree. And, uh, he ended up working administration at a university, you know, doing doing his thing, but wasn't even in the field that he really got his degree in, is, is the truth. And so yeah. he would always tell me growing up, you know, Sam, I did the I did the degree college thing. And uh, if that's what you want to do, you can do it. But as you can see, it didn't get me exactly where I wanted it to be. So he was, he was actually, believe it or not, even though he was very academic, he was super encouraging of the entrepreneurial lifestyle. So when I was yeah. I was, my parents were always a little alternative anyway, you know, they homeschooled before homeschooling was, was cool. We were, we had a huge family that ate, I'm one of eight brothers and sisters, same mom, same dad, all raised us on this little farm in a small town in Virginia. Yeah. And um, I needed a lot of discipline, um, just discipline and self-control, you know, undiagnosed ADD, ADHD. So my parents put me in martial arts. And it was kind of like a right time, right place. My martial arts instructor had this big vision of going to fish professionally on the Bass Pro Bass circuit. Like that was oh, like wow, his big okay. dream. So he sold me this little school when I was 15 years old, and he did what? that by like, yeah, dude, it was crazy. He actually took my parents out to dinner. uh I'll never forget. It. He took my parents out to the steakhouse in a little town called Lynchburg, Virginia, and he said, uh, "He said I believe your son can like he could run the school." And, uh, and he just believed in me, man. And, and he believed in me and he sold me the schools and then this small little town. It wasn't even Lynchburg. It was like this little town called Amherst, Virginia. It's like 2000 people. And, uh, so my parents were like, well, Sam seems to like it. And like, this guy was kind of like this martial arts instructor was kind of like a second father figure to me. And he's like, the one thing I'll do before I leave is I'll hire him a consultant. So we hired this business consultant, which was like the best thing ever for me. Cause I had like this mentorship from a, from a real business consultant at 15. At, at 15. So how long were you training before this? maybe like three years i started when i was like
1: 12. okay so like where so how was, far were you in like, I, you know uh i
0: was a far, brown belt
1: you, you're brown belt. okay
0: yeah yeah so i wasn't a black belt yet yeah. when, when, when they when they found out i was going to run the school they accelerated my training a little bit <laughs> he really uh,
1: yeah. out. <laughs> he needs a little more credibility <laughs>
0: this, exactly this guy's testing for black belt next week all of a <laughs> sudden
1: <laughs> did you look 10 years old or did you look older or like that's crazy man when I was did, fifteen, yeah. I looked I'm... nine years old. So I, you know, <laughs> like, you still look
0: nine, Devin. What's
1: going on? Oh, man? come on, come that's, on. It's... Um, that's just wild, and I love it. I freaking love it, man. I love that the guy had faith in you. So were you like the? I mean, I know you're very accomplished in mark because I know you as an adult, and you know I know you're very accomplished in martial arts. But were you, were you an outstanding martial arts student at the time?
0: No,
1: <laughs> really. Okay, okay. So 15,
0: I but, to and to he the saw point something. I want to say something about how I looked. Yeah. So my parents, when they when when my when my instructor sold them to school, he was like, "Hey, like the one thing is like Sam's not 18, so he technically can't be there because he's overseeing adults and kids and he's teaching right. all these classes." Right. He said, "You have to be there." But my parents are like, my dad worked, you know, a job. Yeah. My mom's homeschooled and raised eight kids, so they were like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." They came like three times to they like, Sam, we're busy. So I had to look old enough. I I would spike my hair, man. Because like the spiky look. <laughs> and like it became a joke. It became a running joke. And nobody knew, nobody in the school knew how old I was. We'd get these parents. They'd come in the office. they like, I'd sell them a membership. And keep in mind, we're selling like three-year, you know, $12,000 black belt memberships for their yeah. family. And, and I was like, they'd be like, how old are you? Like, we know you're young. You're so impressive. How old are you? And, I, and my my standard question was always, How old do you think I am? Love it. <laughs> and then they guess and I'd be like, Great answer. Class is starting. We gotta go. Yeah. I would just like miss, you know, yeah, pull some sleight of hand to get out of it. But um <laughs> no, it wasn't a great martial arts, man. The truth is, my brother started training under me. Uh, his name is Tim, and uh he was he became world champion. He was my first ever black belt under me. Oh and wow he was like he took it to a new level, man. He was super Cut. good. He was just super dialed in. Everything I did, he did better is the truth. And um, I was okay. I'd give myself like a seven out of 10. Wow. But I was a decent communicator. So I'd get up in front of class and I could kind of wow people. I could keep kids' attention. I could, you know, I I learned to communicate well. And I was, I kind of had a little bit of a marketing brain on me, all trained. I don't think I was born with it, but this, this business consultant really gave me that, People always ask me like, what's the one thing that like made you successful in the martial arts business? I'm like, it's because I didn't have to invent it all. I see these business owners out there, man. And they're like trying to, they're like, they're just piecemealing all these systems together. Whereas like this consultant sort of had a franchise system. It wasn't technically a franchise, but it was like, this is what you say to someone when they walk in the door. Like literally. Like, hello, welcome to Super Kicks Black Belt Academy. My name is Sam. I mean, it was that detailed of Perfect. stuff. And as yeah, 15, sure. you're just like you freaking memorize it and then you just repeat it every time someone walks into your door and it just kind of worked. Love <laughs> it. So that's so systems. crazy.
1: I had no idea that you took over at that age, man. So how often were you meeting with this consultant? Is this kind of like a one off deal set it set it up and he walks away? Were you meeting every week?
0: Yeah, twice a, twice a week. And then for the first like three months he came to my school every day. Yeah. Yeah, and every day he would train me in
1: the you scripts. To, Did you like owner finance it? Did your parents help? Like, how, how
0: did you actually- My parents like gave it? me the money. Yeah, I, the, My parents gave me like, it was only like 15 grand. It was like, it was not expensive. <laughs> but 15 for 15 grand. grand for a 15 year old, that was a decent <laughs> money. Oh dude, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so you my parents gave me 15
0: grand. I, I paid them off in like a couple of months and they were like- you know, my parents were not, um, my parents are very frugal. They're very good with money. They're good budgeters, but they didn't have a ton of it. So when they saw how fastly, I, how fast, how fastly, how fast I paid them off, they were like, okay, like Sam's going to be okay, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think they you know, oh, like that's... three months and they were like, oh, that's good. Kid's making some money. They're yeah, like, we only got
1: seven other kids to worry about now. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Sam's
1: good. He's off to My dad road.
0: bought a bunch of real estate in 2008, and and kind of lost his shirt on it. And so um, he was he would always go around the house being like, "Sam, like I don't have a retirement anymore. Someone's got to help me retire." And you know, as a kid, you just feel that stuff, right? Yeah, and I was like, is, "Okay, that's heavy. That's me. <laughs> I'm in." Put me in,
1: Coach. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's wild. So you're you're up and running the karate school. It's it's you know it's running. It's making money at this point. Are you? Do you have staff or is it just you doing everything?
0: Basically, me plus like maybe one part timer. I was pretty much doing everything. Like, I'd get up in the day. I'd start at like eleven o'clock. I'd market literally in the parking lot. I'd go out in my parking lot. I was in a Food line parking lot. So Food lines like a kind of a lower end grocery store here in the East Coast. Yeah. And uh I'd go out in the parking lot, and I'd, I'd use my little script as people were walking to their cars, putting their groceries in. Hey, excuse me, I'm doing a survey. Would you mind answering three quick questions? I had these little three questions. The last one was like offering them a guest pass to my school. And I would just do that for two to three hours a day. And my goal would be to get five appointments set for people to come in. Yeah. And sometimes I'd get three, sometimes i get four, sometimes i get 12. You know, people were just really nice to me that day. And it was tough, man, because I was an introvert and I was homeschooled. And so oh, I can specifically man. remember times where I would like, I'd get rejected or yelled at. I would just come back in the studio, go up in the office, legit cry, and then yeah. be like, wipe away the tears. I'm 16 years old, like trying to make my business work. Dude, and I, I do you. not miss those days, man. I got to be honest. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Those yeah. were hard effing days, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. Because it's like, it's you eat what you kill. You get five appointments, like, I know two of those are going to show. Fingers crossed one's going to enroll.
1: <laughs> yeah. Guess. That so had to have shaped you, though. I mean, that is such, a, such an experience at that age. That had to have shaped I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think it did?
0: Oh, yeah, dude. I think um my my martial arts mentor was an old school business guy. Like think of uh his one of his big mentors was was Dan Kennedy and sure another guy that I can't think of right now. But um yeah, so it was just like stop being a little you know what and get out there and do your marketing. Yep. <laughs> like like I don't care if you have to stand There's another place I would go is CVS uh which is crazy so I'm 32 now I started this when I was 15 so I have a student that I met at CVS his name is Danny Campbell and he still trains to this day 17 years later yeah. so it's always whenever I think of it because I'll see his stuff on Facebook and he's like doing martial arts I'm like I remember that was a 15 year old standing in front of CVS and I wasn't even allowed to stand in front of CVS they would like come out and be like they'd kick me out regularly but i would just keep showing back up <laughs> yeah <You can't> <laughs> i haven't thought hard. about this in a long time yeah we're going way back man i love it <laughs> this is great and i would just and master arthur was like just don't leave until you get five appointments so like two hours three hours four hours it's hot you're just standing there clipboard we always wore martial arts uniforms like that was like our our business card you know so we're out sure. there in a martial arts uniform with our belts on and everything yep crazy times it did awesome shape awesome me man race. it gave me a lot of perseverance and sure taught me a lot of of skills and communication and just hard work
1: (laughs) hard work man hard work it's it's, uh everybody's looking for something besides hard work to get it done but hard work gets it done so what happened over time you're so you're so young you're still very young but you started so young you know what was your kind of path into that were you all in on karate schools for for the foreseeable future Where, where did things go next
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have that gene of I'm all in when I'm all in. So I definitely was like, I'm going to build. I remember I took a trip to Ecuador with one of my buddies, one of my martial arts buddies. We just did a little 10-day stint in Ecuador. And I remember standing on top of this like mountain we climbed and being like, one day I'm going to have 100 martial arts schools. Yeah. And that was the vision, man. I was just like all in, right? I was like out to be somebody. So we built, um, I moved from there. I started a school when I was like uh, 19. That is in Charlottesville, Virginia. That was like the big city at the time. It's like 60. Five thousand people, but it was like to me growing up in the country it was like the big city. It's where University of Virginia is, real, real popular school on the East Coast. Yeah, and then uh, I built that school, started in a little hotel room. Same thing, going out in parking lots. I, it was like a little twenty foot by twenty foot hotel conference room, and uh, and yeah, actually grew that school. One where of my, where my a real accomplishment I'm really proud of is that school ended up being in the top one percent of all martial arts schools nationwide in terms of revenue that generated, and students that it you know students that it had and it was just a real seeing that happen, and i turned it over to my brother and then i bought a couple schools down in charlotte north carolina and um just yeah that was that was probably my first big failure was moving to charlotte thinking i could walk into these schools that had totally different culture be tony robbins and like just they would just like swear allegiance to sam weger and that was definitely not what happened they all quit in the first two weeks Right. It was like, you know, this was me being 21, 22, and like I'd spent my life savings on buying these schools practically. And then just like literally two weeks after I bought one of the schools, me begging the guy I bought it from to take it back before he switched the lease, the commercial, the big commercial, you know, lease to my name. Yeah, right, right. And uh, he was like, <laughs> he called, I called him. I'll never forget. I called him. I was like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. It's one of my schools. Oh, my one of my instructors got caught doing something really stupid with some underage stuff. And oh, so they man. took him off. So I had to fire him. And he was like my main guy. And I was like, Oh my man. gosh. Yep. Thankfully it wasn't with anybody in the school. It was, it was something online, but it was still underage. And it was yep. like a big deal. Right. Yeah. So he bails and I called this, I called the guy I bought the school from, and I was like, Hey, and I, you know, I think I bought the school for 75,000. So it may not seem like a lot of money, but I'm 22. And I just dropped 150 grand. Like that was my savings at that point. Right. Yep. Um, and it felt everything felt so heavy. And I'm like, Hey man, you got to take the school back. Like, I know you have some other instructors, like please come in and run it. And he literally, he's like, okay, I'll take it back. Cause I just paid him. And then it was like two weeks later, he calls me 30 minutes later. Hey Sam, I changed my mind. I'm not going to take it back. I don't really have the team to run it. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna sign that lease assignment because 30 minutes ago you said you'd take it back. He's oh, like, no problem. I just sue you. I was like, God <laughs> damn. <laughs> so here I am, like 20, and like for me as a 22 year old, I was not, I was not as business savvy uh, as I could have been. I just like moved away from my family and friends, and so yeah, it's just a big low, man. It's a big low in my life. So I could go down that rabbit hole. We could talk about that for hours, but taught me a lot of lessons about loyalty. Taught me about being scrappy. Taught me about um, not overestimating what you think you can do yeah. in a new situation like that. I go in a little bit more cautious now to new uh, cautious and, you know, still optimistic, but cautious. Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. It'll do that. Experience will, experience will do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's all very young ages to experience all that. So you're getting, you're getting yeah. a lot crammed in early here. So, did you know that path to 100 schools? You know, what it sounds like the framework from that first school with that consultant was that a framework you're able to kind of replicate
0: yeah. everywhere? 100%. Yeah, yeah. without without, them, I wouldn't have been able to even open two because most yeah. in, in our industry, man, in the martial arts industry, someone that opens two schools is like, you have to not just be in love with martial arts, you got to be in love with business, you got to have systems and processes and procedures. and, and 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 so that's what i was able to learn from him his name is master arthur and just a just a very uh, awesome gentleman we always you know master arthur was like his proper martial arts titles we always call him that and he's a 10th degree black belt and drove this little ferrari and just someone i really 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 looked up to for many yeah. many years still do to this day yeah um and so copied that got up to seven schools and then we built an online program that was pretty successful I had students in like 40 that might be an exaggeration but like 30-some states, including Hawaii. We had Canadian students. That was really cool. It's kind of the first of its kind of really, yeah. like a really true online program that you could belt up in. Gracie's have done a good job with this with jujitsu, but we, we kind of had a little bit more of a holistic program where, you know, students were coming in. They could belt up. We had students testing for black belt. They'd fly in to test for their black belt, and they would be badass, and they only learned online. That's with, with like, Zoom instruction. Dude.
1: Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Was it, it was all crazy. pre-recorded, or were you actually doing – like live training at the time
0: yeah it was a mixture man it was a mixture i think something i've been always really good at is kind of seeing the future so i go to this huge mega church and i was always impressed with this mega church because they'd have the pastor at one location and they'd stream them live to like 40 other satellite campuses and i was like this is what i want to do martial arts yeah so we copied that model we had like these we had these instructors and we would stream them to all the other locations so that the class experience because i'd walk into one school They'd be playing country music because he liked country music. And the other guy would be playing like rock because he wanted us to work out to rock. I'm like, this is this is stupid. I want every class experience at every martial arts school I walk into that's mine to be the same. Yeah. And we created a really, really, really cool system. And because it was so duplicatable, we just started doing it. It was online. Yeah. So it was it was actually a mixture of pre-recorded and then the uh, and live. But super really
1: leverage. You have one superstar instructor, and you can you can show them to everybody, right? Super exactly. leveraged. I love exactly.
0: it. Exactly. It was. It was. I was from for it. The church. Were you
1: um along, you know, are you were you always a leaser or a renter of these spaces where if you're buying the dirt and I'm kind of, you know, segueing to real estate here? But yeah, you know, was the real estate bug for you kicked off around this time, or were you just like, hey, we're gonna lease this spot in a strip mall or whatever and and open the martial arts? When, when did real estate kind of come to the picture for you?
0: So, real estate came into the picture really through some mentors of mine, really through GoBundance, man, is the yeah. truth. And that's a about that you and I know each other from. And, and yeah. just they, they were really great. GoBundance was really good to me. I joined you know, back in, I want to say it was 14 or 15. I mean, it's yeah. been a few years now. And and they kind of took me under their wing where, like, look, your, your martial arts business is doing good. But like, am might not always do good? And you might not always want to be in this business. Like they could see a little further ahead than I could sure. see. In the time, I was just like, I would never not do martial arts. Of course. Yeah. Um, and so fast forward and they just said, skim some money off the top, buy some real estate. Nice. And I just started buying the, I just, you know, my first thing was like a three bedroom, three bath condo. I lived in one room, of my house, and I rented the other two rooms because I didn't need them. And I was single. And so it just didn't, it didn't make sense. I didn't think that was a business model. I just thought that was house hacking. Then I went, move, when I moved to Charlotte, I bought this, this house because it was the right thing to do. I just thought, well, I'll buy a house instead of rent. I don't want to throw money away and rent. And I got in, I forget the first night I was there. I was just like, keep in mind, I'm one of eight. So I was just like, it's too quiet in here. Like, yeah. I, need, I need some commotion in the house. Right. So I just started renting out some rooms and even had like a little extra living room that I blocked off, put, made the half bath a full bath and rented it out. And then one day I'm hiking with one of my banker friends, like a big bank, you know. Multi, multiple multi six figure VP at SunTrust, which just recently merged with Truist, and he's like, "How much?" He's like, "I know you're room renting. How much are you renting that house for? If you count yourself as a renter?" And I was like, "I don't know, like two thousand eight hundred and seventy-five bucks." I like did some math, and he's like, "That house would only rent for fifteen hundred on the open market." I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Like, I'm almost doubling the rent," and it kind of clicked for me, and it kind of clicked for him too. Um, and I was like, "I wonder if I could do this with five bedrooms." And it kind of just started me on this like path of like, what about five bedrooms, What about six? What about seven? And I, obviously there were like tenant issues and parking issues, all this stuff. Yeah. And keep in mind, for me to live with 10 people, that was like growing up for me
1: this is normal. That's so funny. That's normal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm just like, this isn't crazy. Everybody's like, how many rooms are you renting in this house? And my wife met me I had six roommates. So she's like, what the freak is going on here? I'm like, this yeah. is not like, we well, are not all drug dealers. This is, you know, this is just how we live. Yeah. And, but I was taking homes that would normally rent for 2000. I started being, I started renting them for 5,600, 6,000, $6, you know, and people and so my banker friend long story short that banker friend literally quit his multi six-figure job to go all in on co-living he now is like my biggest competitor in charlotte with room rentals because <laughs> yeah. like that's all he does now and cashed out his 401k bought a bunch of houses yeah. so it was like kind of birthed this little co-living concept now the u.s department for housing and urban De- you know uh hud housing and urban development has yeah. come out and said co-living can solve affordable housing in america like literally they've come out oh wow uh, HUD just HUD just made a recommendation HUD is now allowing you to use housing choice vouchers to pay for your room if you rent a room no kidding yeah so Man. you can actually rent your room out your home out buy the room get guaranteed rent from the government per room you have to follow their like BS little like formula of how much money it's worth but it, whatever sure. it's, it's adding legitimacy to what we're doing and now we're seeing huge tech companies like bungalow and pad split and common take off with thousands and thousands of rooms around the united states and be like kind of where airbnb was positioned i think back in 2011 2012 yeah it really took off that's kind of where this co-living you know blue ocean wave is and i'm excited for it so you got me talking about co-living now as you can tell (laughs) Co
1: living man yeah yeah i want to i want to dive in so um I mean, it is an air of legitimacy if HUD's behind it. And that's interesting. Where do you, where are you post? Were you posting this on Craigslist to start? You know, or what? What's kind of how how does that work? And is it is it a twelve month lease? Like, what's kind of some of the nitty gritty of like if I'm going to come rent a room from from one of your places? What what does that even look like for me? And who and who's doing this?
0: Yeah. Well, well, I'll, I'll answer who's doing this first. So I, I was on Bigger Pockets. Um, Brandon asked me to come in and share about co living. So I got on Bigger Pockets, and after my episode went live, I had this guy call me from Germany, and he lives in Berlin, Germany, and he says, "Sam, I know you think that like co living is this new thing, and because I, I was promoting this, like this new thing, this new thing, like we're living okay. in the room." He's like, "We've been doing this in Europe for decades.
1: <laughs> You're not we're special." <laughs>
0: he was like, the room is the new apartment in Europe. Like that is how we think about it. And he tells me this crazy story about how he has this big tech company and he couldn't get any software. He, he wanted all of his software engineers to, to work out of Berlin. But as soon as he would offer them a job and then they found out what the cost of living was in Berlin, he was like, none of them would move because it's or just was too expensive. Yeah. So he, this guy, this guy, he was a baller, dude. He was just like, I'm going to build co-living buildings and you all are going to live in my buildings and that's going to be part of your salary so he showed me the plans man these were like garden style multi-family buildings which obviously is a huge specialty of yours yeah. and he just he built them in a way where they would be like six rooms but if he took out two walls it'd be like four rooms in a big-ass living room it's so, like he he was kind of smart about it but like yeah right they were cool and that was kind of what he did so who's doing it like a lot of the world does this but americans sure we're it's a slower. little slow yeah, yeah. we're yeah. like as brandon turner put it on my podcast he goes americans are like i have my gun and i want my house and you won't take it well you're from texas you get this oh, dude i'm definitely <laughs> that
1: guy yeah for sure
0: <laughs> so we're, we're a little slower to be like i'm gonna live in a room but the truth is the numbers just don't lie man affordability is not where it used to be even two years ago let oh, alone sure. three, four years ago huge issue yeah Yeah, like rents have have risen way faster than incomes have. Housing prices have risen way faster than incomes have in order to keep up with that. And so we're just facing a huge affordability crisis. No one's doing really anything about it. And this is an opportunity to come to that problem with a compromise. Like I get written up in newspapers sometimes that are like, this is the newest greedy strategy by landlords to pack people in the house. Yeah. It's like, okay. But I personally lived in these homes for 13 years, man. And like- had A blast and officiated my housemates' weddings, and like it was cool. So, we're trying to do it in a way with community, yeah. Um, a lot of companies do not have 12 month leases, we do like that's our initial lease term because I want people, um, yeah, this is home. Like, I'm not looking for a short term tenant, it's not Airbnb. This is yeah. you're gonna, I'm gonna create a badass, I'm gonna, uh, this is a nicer house than you would be able to afford on your own, in a nicer neighborhood than you would be able to afford on your own. Yep, you do have to share it. All utilities are included. It's one set price and you have a shared common area and that common area is furnished, but you furnish your own room because your room is the new apartment.
1: Yeah. What's a, what's a room rent for? Just kind of ballpark, you know? F-
0: Usually 80 to 90% of what a studio will go for in whatever town we're doing this in. Really? That's, but, that's high. Yeah. Seems high. Yeah, the, okay. So, so, so maybe the caveat to that is if I say a studio is a thousand a room, we're at for 800, but that studio, our price includes utilities. Gotcha. So maybe there, there's a little difference there, right? So if someone says if a studio is a thousand, tack on what two two fifty for that for utilities, yep. they're actually at twelve fifty, and we're at fifty. We're at eight hundred or eight fifty. So there's a there's a there's a bigger there's gap, a, there's there. A gap there. Yeah. But that's the formula I use to teach people how to like. Everybody asks. I literally just saw that question the other day. They're like, well, how do I how do I find what I can rent a room for in my town? But a uh, private baths, we'll we'll go for more than that. I mean, a private bath, all utilities included. In Charlotte, at least, and a lot of other cities that I'm seeing this done in, it'll go for basically what a studio will go for. If I have a big, uh, primary bedroom with a private bath, I can rent it for a thousand to eleven hundred dollars in Charlotte, and it's going to be nicer. And all utilities are going to be included. But you could get a studio for eleven hundred. It wouldn't be in the nicest area, but you could. So yeah. that's that's kind of how to think about it. And then shared baths, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be reducing the price for shared baths. Yeah, for sure. Maybe if it's shared with two people, you're going to be reducing it. If you're shared with three people, you're going to be reducing it even more. Some of these cultivate companies, and I'm not a fan of this, will even say you can have four baths, sorry, four beds to one bath. That's,
1: yeah, that's stacking up. Uh, that's yeah. stacking, yeah. And there's no, there's no like a cleaning service or anything. Like that. It's like a roommate situation, right? You got yeah. Three we, we do a cleaning service that's coming once or oh, twice a month. Oh, you do. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's included. So that the common areas get cleaned, not their bedrooms, but the common areas and the common bathrooms all get cleaned at least once a month, some, sometimes twice a month. Yeah.
1: Are you guys? Uh, what do the lenders think about this? You guys have properties with debt on it. Is it just one master lease and keep it simple for the lender, or are you actually showing like individual room leases? I could see. Yeah. Lenders, uh, you know,
0: lenders up. lenders will do both. I've done both. I'm actually refinancing one right now, and they're like, "Please don't show us multiple leases." Just so, so I'm just writing a master lease between my property management company and me. Love it. And they're like, "Please just show us that." And I'm Damn. writing it like, way higher than it would, you know, would rent out single family, and they're going to underwrite it based on that. So that's like kind of a debt service type product. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, can take it. Yeah, and look, I've lenders that'll take multiples too. Yeah. Here, here, here's the crazy thing. So I got one local bank to tell me he's 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 given me probably four or five million already for just single family homes. But I came back to him literally, This just like a month ago, This hot off the press news. I said, hey, man, here's the truth. This home on the market would rent for two grand. I put eight tenants in it and it's running for 6,500. I want you to underwrite this based on the net operating income. And he said he could do it. He's like, I talked to him. Okay. He's like, if you order a commercial appraisal on this thing. Yeah. And you show me and you show me that operating income, I will give you a cap rate. I, w- I will base this it, not all the details. And for full transparency, I've not done it yet. Sure. But this is a guy like, I've done a lot of business with. And I, I tell a lot of my students to go get uh, underwritten through him. And so he kind of understands the model. It's a very small bank. They get it. They've seen me do it now for like seven years. They yeah. know the numbers, yeah. And so to get that on a single family home, I was like, "Let's freaking go!"
1: Oh man, yes, <laughs> NOI valuation on a single family—like, how many of those yeah. can you do? Right, all of them.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be texting you when it actually comes through and, and like closes, but we'll see. I'm sure yeah, there'll for be some sure. jumps before yeah. that. For sure, that's exciting, man. It, uh, the debt
1: and the financing drives a lot of these deals, so it's exciting when you kind of find somebody that is able to work with you in a way that you hadn't seen before. It's awesome. Awesome. And what's great about this too, man, is like someone
0: was telling me this the other day. They said, this is like multifamily income right? with 30-year fixed mortgages, which is kind of a hot topic right now, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the guy that's going to underwrite this, don't I know why, is not going to give me 30-year fixed. He's going to give me a five-year balloon or whatever, right? Or five or seven. Yep. But most of the debt I have on my properties right now are 30-year fixed mortgages.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's nice.
1: Oh yeah, that's the best. It's the best. It's the best as it gets, right? Unless you're talking about a HUD loan or something, but right, um, right. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So, how's the management work? Are you you guys in multiple markets now? Are you running it just like you would a portfolio of single family houses? Just cup you know, couple more line items on the rent roll there, or <laughs> you know, is are there some inherent challenges doing it versus if you were just to rent out that three two two, you know, to one yeah. ten? What what's that look like?
0: Yeah, it looks like peanut. We call it, we, we refer in, in inside my company, we refer to them as peanut butter problems. And be like, you know, John, John, one of the tenants will call you up and Susie ate my peanut butter and I'm mad. And like, you guys have to tell her not to eat my peanut butter. And right. don't get me wrong, we've solved a lot of this with like, we label all the refrigerator space, we label all the cabinet space. Like, everybody has yeah. their set thing. Like, I don't, even if it's like their detergent, like room one, that's where your freaking detergent goes. So there's a little bit more setup of the home when you first yeah. launch one of these. Sure so that yes so there are tenant challenges we just launched a thing i'll let you know how this actually works but we launched this thing where when they have a complaint because we'll get a decent we'll get a decent number of this but we, we've solved a lot with systems a lot of it's just how you run it how you vet the tenants do they know what they're getting into how right. solid is your membership agreement are they did they initial Do they actually read an initial every house yeah. rule that you have yeah but we we started this thing where they scan a qr code in the refrigerator and it's like uh we had, a, we had an expert in conflict resolution put together like a series of questions. So like instead of, so instead of them just being able to like DM my property manager, she's like, hey, we have to have a record of every complaint. So we, they scan this QR code and it's like, you know, like asks them good questions that they have to fill in. Like we're trying to make it like hard, but like not friction. so hard. Yep, <laughs> a, little a little bit of friction. friction. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of friction. Yeah. yeah. And like, did you talk to Susie about it? No. <laughs> okay. We would highly recommend that be the first. Yeah. So there is some of that for sure. Um, So we manage in two markets. We manage in Asheville and and Charlotte, North Carolina. Yep, And that's all I'm managing. We're not looking to blow up a huge management company, but there's tech companies, Pad Split and Bungalow are the two biggest in the United States right now. And they're, they're managing in probably 25 to 30 markets around the United States, all the big cities, all the major cities or most of the major cities. And they are property They are basically a glorified tech property management company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are they going into the management layer with, let's say, cleaning services or conflict resolution? Or is it just like, hey, you can put your place on there and they're just kind of a conduit for owners and renters?
0: Yeah, they are. um That's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. They are a platform is how they're advertising themselves. So they are, hey, you list your room with us but they do manage all the tenants. So all conflict resolution goes through them and they collect all the rent, they yeah. handle all the membership fees and everything. Yeah. Um, and then they outsource the actual management of the property. They do not so like, they charge their fee. Yeah. And then if you're like, cool, like I need someone to fix a tool if it's broke. They're like, cool, we have a local property manager in your area. They're gonna charge right. their fee for that. It's gonna be combined. So they can get dec- decently expensive, but it's worth it with the cash flow on the properties. People are still seeing solid returns. So, yeah. Just to break it down, let's
1: say let's say you got a house with a I don't know fifteen hundred dollars a month market rent for a single tenant. What's the multiple on what you're doing with a with a co living setup? Yeah, um, sure. It's all over the place, but is you know is it two x? Is it three x? Kind of what you? Yeah,
0: yeah. Minimum, minimum. What we're seeing. So let's let me me think of some homes that we've just done. So if that home rent for twenty five. 575 yeah so i'd say three x is, is is kind of a minimum we'll see i've seen four x before it's great someone's really big yeah um you know we, we just bought a house for 400 410 and we're launching it uh next week it, and it's in a great area i would give it i'd give it two weeks to fill it's going to be 10 bedrooms wow at, Dude. So it'll probably do eighty five hundred a month. Yeah, gross just like gross rents. And it's, yeah. and if I were to stick it on the open market, it'd be twenty three fifty probably.
1: Yeah, and so your mortgage is like two grand. Something I don't know, three grand. Yeah, it's,
0: like I think it's a little higher than that. I did put twenty percent down on that property, though. Yeah. To be totally honest, I don't know what the mortgage is. Nah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was eight percent. I paid my eight percent DSCR loan, twenty percent down, whatever that is, whatever sure. 8 percent yeah. is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man that that's a, that's a cool model. So what what is the what's the team look like today to kind of run all this and is it, it did you build the management company or are you kind of just leveraging one of these other platforms to just plug into your assets? How, how are you handling that?
0: I really hope um I really hope atticus so atticus is the ceo of Passport. they're the largest company it. They're, just, they're getting some big evaluations i hope he listens to this at some point in time because my whole goal in building a property management company right now is just so i can sell it to them right um and, and no I, I built a property management company because i had to it was yep. out of pure necessity sure no other property management company would touch this stuff 10 years ago eight years ago and I, when right. i was doing it yep. now they're all over but now we have like i've got like staff i care about so even though atticus you know, their team is like Sam. What do we got to do to get their properties? Uh, your properties? I'm just like guys. I have I just have momentum. I've got systems. I've got staff. Yeah. It's working. It's just working. So it just doesn't make sense for me to switch right now. All of that being said, um, yeah. So we have a team. We have a we have a full time property manager and a full time virtual assistant. Uh, and so we manage right now about 200 rooms. Yeah. and Owner own manage. My wife and I own probably 160, 170. And then we manage like a few others. And um, and so that we have a full-time per, uh, property manager and a full-time overseas person. We just hired, but we're like growing super fast. Because we, start we started offering this white glove service. We're like, buy a house for people. We'll fill it. We'll do all, everything. So we're like, super, we'll, we'll probably be at, yeah, we're adding homes every month now. And so we just hired a part-time, another virtual assistant part-time and another showing assistant that's yeah. part-time so for we're, we're doors, two timers two timers.
1: Yeah. yeah for 200 doors man that's awesome um are all these houses in separate entities how many how many houses is 200 doors are you is that 50 houses yeah 50 houses
0: yeah, approximately maybe 45 40 40 to 50 40 or 45 houses
1: yeah yeah so that's a lot man it's a lot of single family houses but you're still getting you're not doing any retrofitting to these right like if you were to you know Terminate the leases and just go sell it on the open market. Clean it up. Anything special? Is is a co living house different than a single? Yeah,
0: yeah. You'd have to like maybe open like like we will wall off a dining room. I mean, we're looking for homes that are already really boxy, but we'll wall off a dining room, stick a door there. So we might like open that back up. Yeah, but that's not even the play anymore, man. Like pad splits ahead of this. So I, this was a big question I used to get like a year ago when I was preaching this stuff. Yeah, people were like. I've got to sell it on the open market. So i got to really be careful where everything is. Now, there's actually, Padsplay just launched a, I say just, it's actually been going for a while, a marketplace for co-living homes. And people are buying these homes based on like, not 100% based on numbers, but it's kind of like, you see these marketplaces for Airbnb, these big Facebook groups, you can sell your Airbnb and people are, you know, people look at it with those lens. That's what's starting to happen in the co-living space. Yeah. And so like, I don't think I'll ever have to convert co-living home back to single family. Yeah. But if I did, yeah, I at least walk through it, it with that in mind. where am I going to put it? If I and if I am going to add a bathroom, where am I going to add it in a way yeah. that fits with the house? If I'm going to add a door or a bedroom or a, a wall, like don't stick it in a random ass place. Yeah. So yeah, you see you got to think that through a little bit.
1: Yeah. Man, I remember visiting a friend of mine in LA many years ago and it was like three or four people in the apartment and they had framed in a corner of the living room. Like a two by four and like stretch fabric over it, and there was like a girl like that was her room. It's probably big enough for a sleeping bag, but like she That's had her little, had her own little room there. So like this the affordability, quality. yeah, um, affordability thing's not going anywhere, right? So I mean, there's there's a ton here. So what do you are you coaching people on this? What are, you know, are you guys wanting to grow to a hundred homes or four hundred doors? Like where, where's this all going for you? Do you
0: think? Yeah, man, our, our big stick right now is build, teach, manage. So we um we are starting to build these buildings that are suited for co-living from the ground up. And that's a big project, but we're really excited about it. I, I have several friends who have built these in Houston. I got a buddy who's building a duplex in Houston right now that is 16 bedrooms and 14 full bathrooms.
1: <laughs> oh, wow,
0: man.
1: Um ground up construction. Just build built specifically
0: yeah. for co-living. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is, you know, you can still kind of get that longer term debt on a lot of it. And you can uh I mean we can build it in Charlotte. The regulations will allow us, zoning will allow us to build these on single family lots. Oh wow. Okay. Um, with a new a new ordinance they just passed where they're trying to increase density. So you can build duplexes and triplexes on single family lots. And that's based that's basically what we're permitting it as. It's a it's a it's an over under duplex, unit A, unit B. Yep. And um just happens to have a lot of bathrooms and bathrooms. Yeah, um, right, right. So I think that's going to be a big few because they'll be new and they'll have all the bathrooms you want. And then it will not be these like nuanced outfits that we have to do because they're a little nuanced where we put walls and things like that. Yeah, it's purpose and built, then, built now day one. Yeah, yeah. And then teaching, uh, so build, teach, manage. So teach is just where we run, a, we run a course where we teach people how to do it. We teach people how to self-manage if they want to self-manage. We teach people how to build their little niche communities and um and we even will go so far as to like do it all for them they just buy the house and we oversee the outfit and everything call it that our what service and then and then we're managing and and uh that's kind of that's what i'm doing yeah I'm doing right it. now anyway.
1: you having <laughs> fun with it sounds like you are having fun with it man
0: i am having fun with it man i'm an all-in guy that's a good question thanks for yeah. asking
1: yeah um, I'm an all-in guy. guy.
0: So i kind of like I'm all in on this right now. It's it's catching a lot of attention. And Mark Cuban just invested in Pad Split. He's one of their biggest investors. Yeah. Pace Morby is all about Pad Split right now. We can't stop talking about it. He's all about yeah. Col- you know. So it's 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 catching some uh, some social vibes, and I think it's I think we're on the beginning of the wave. It's the truth. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. What about I you, doing? Would you live in a co-living cool house?
1: Uh, I used to, man. So you know, it was called roommates, but we had this house. <laughs> it was uh, three guys. We were all in three different bands with one bathroom. Is that it right? It was built it. in the '50s, and um, it was tight, man. But I tell you, dude, that was some of the most fun things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up with five siblings. We had the house my father still lives in. Uh, well, there's five of us, so I had four siblings. My mom and dad. There's seven of us in 1,300 square feet, one bat, one bathroom. So like. At the time it was just awesome. I go to that house now. I'm like, how the
0: hell did we all like? Did you say did you say seven of you in 1,300 square feet?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I grew Damn, up bro. In, you know, I was, a, homeschool- I was homeschooled too, man. So um, but it was totally normal. And I don't, you know, there's something about that proximity. And later with roommates, you're kind of crammed in there. It's like um you're all sharing your lives, man, you know, and there's right. There I, there was some really good times, obviously growing up, but even even with like roommates where it was like you know we'd be in the kitchen just BSing and we're, we're all kind of crammed at one bathroom we all kind of made it work man so i totally get it i think it's just a uh, um it's just a different way to look at it rest of the world's doing it like you said you and i've done it countless people listening i think you know have probably done it at some point with roommates so and then yeah if your rent is just completely different than what you'd get in an apartment i mean people are typically going to rent the nicest place they can afford and affordability is a massive issue right now. So I I love this business model, man. The the fact that, you know, you can get the kind of debt you can on it. You can change the top line so much, maybe a little more management. I did have a question on like um let's say I'm let's say I'm going to, you know, rent a room. Do I have any insight into who the other people are, you know, the other two folks in those or am I just kind of jumping in at yeah. the house? You know, how what's that look like? Because I imagine there's like compatibility stuff, like like, like finding a roommate.
0: Yeah. We, we we will we when we walk someone when one of my agents when one of our people do a, sh- a showing they'll tell hey we got this guy in this game he does this he does this he works from home she's so we'll give that but i mean it's we're not running any like we're not like giving everybody a disc profile and seeing how they match up right, right, the buyers right. briggs right. like we're not doing any of like that it's more just like hey you know what you're getting into right you understand yeah. our house rules right you understand there's there's a sacrifice to living in a community like this Awesome! Great. We expect you to be a great member of the community. We kind of come at it from like a personal development. Like we give them a little personal development workbook. We ask them to work oh, through. Like, like yes. showing a throat, but we give them some opportunities. We do community events twice a year. We'll bring all the tents together for a big party. Like nice. we'll, we'll send pizza once a month to the houses. Um, just to just to try to build that, and, and there's little hacks like don't put a TV in the common space because then like that becomes a source of tension. Have the headphones yeah. hours at ten o'clock so people just go to Bluetooth at ten, everything goes Bluetooth. Like there's yeah. just things that you figure out after doing this for a while that really kind of just make it a more enjoyable place to live. But I learned this from from Pat's, but They said the CEO told me he said Sam, if you can create clean, quiet, safe, consistent. Yeah. Yep. you can scale this. It has to be clean, quiet, and safe. And then my company tries to add community on top of that. At, at yeah. some level, a sense of community, like like you were talking, and I I have a vision, man, that like people will want to live in a place like this more than they would want to live on their own. Yeah. Like if we do a good enough job with this product, I tr- and we're, so what we've started to do with our new ones is like. Turn the garages into like cool ass game rooms. Like, give it a little Airbnb flair. Like, yeah, we're only furnishing, so it's like people walk in, they're like, "This is cool. Like, this is an awesome house." Like, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And we are hardwired for community and for connection. So it's feeding right into that. That we're all like that need is there for all of us. Yeah, and that's right. A lot of living situations got gotten away from that. You know, that's right. We live in a. Big old house of my family now, and we can all go to our separate areas and like not hear or see each other, and it's cool having right. the space. But honestly, sometimes we go on a vacation, and you know, instead of being in six thousand square feet, we're in twelve hundred square feet for a couple of days, right. and it's it's like those are better family times. Real real weird. Right. Or we'll go to the ranch house, which is like this trailer, you know, and like we're all hanging out, and I'm I'm like I don't know if I want to do this all the time, but this is definitely <laughs> cool and that connection is, is kind of, kind of um, I don't want to say forced on you, but you know, that connection okay. I don't know maybe one of the most important, you know, drives that, that we have. So this feeding right. Reminds you of home. <laughs> Reminds you of growing
0: right. up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> square feet, seven people. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do no, it. I, I, I firmly believe, and I, I don't, you and I haven't chatted enough to know where you're at with this, but I firmly believe economically world events wise, yeah. things will get worse before they get better. That's yeah. just where I'm. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying like everybody's going to start nuking each other tomorrow, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. And what I do know about hardship, and this is honestly one of the all, another reason why I'm bullish on this and why I'm selling some short term rentals to redeploy into this, mm-hmm. is like when when stuff gets hard, inflation continues. If we go to war with China, like people are definitely willing to make sacrifices on a lot more of them when when tough times come and kind oh, of yeah. be feeling tough times yeah, yeah so i don't know that's like my little back of my head like if things get tough then like this model will definitely crush even more than it does now that's all i'm yeah. trying to say
1: totally holds up the debt's good the demand is not going anywhere i love it man um sam this has been great dude i thank you for kind of opening my eyes to some of this it's not you know like like you said the rest of the world's doing this you know we've all maybe done it at some point in one one form or another with roommates but um been really cool to dive in if somebody listening wants to connect with you learn about what you're teaching learn about the model where do we send them
0: yeah man instagram is the best at sam weaker at s-a-m-w-e-g-e-r-t that's just my name and then uh ScaleYourrealestate.com is where they can go register for a free training. I, I do nice. regularly I'll do free trainings and usually there's like a waiting list for the next one. I just put their name and an email in and we'll kind of ping them when it's time for another like kind of deep dive, five hour co-living training. So yeah. those are probably the two best avenues, man. Uh your great interview, Earth. Thanks for your questions and just having fun with this. And I didn't know you were homeschooled, dude.
1: Yeah, until sixth grade. My folks split up and then sixth grade it was into the into the system. Um which honestly, I think genesis of my entrepreneurship. I always wanted to get back to kind of that freedom that I experienced yeah. as a kid. So yeah, uh, cool. very grateful yeah. for it though. Yeah, very grateful. That's so, awesome. Cool, brother. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, awesome catching up. Thank you for shedding some light on all this for for me and anybody listening. And um, you know, let's do it again in a year and see where things are at. Love to check check back <laughs> Hell in. yeah. That's a nice, that's nice, a nice vision. Thank you. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks, Sam. We'll talk soon.
0: Yeah. See you, Devin. Appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.